Welcome to It Is A Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Bruce Myers, an admin from the Create Thoughts Facebook group. I also have with me Matthew Jones and Scott Ryan Jones. Uh, if you guys would take a second to introduce yourselves. Sure. Hi, I'm Ryan Scott Jones, um, secondary admin on Creed Thoughts, and I am the admin on the Office Addicts Facebook group. And I am Matthew Jones. Uh, you may know me from the Creed Thoughts uh, post about trying to leave uh, and the uh, ensuing memes that had followed from there. Uh, this podcast will document my first office watch through, uh, as well as thoughts and comments, things like that, uh, of me and my uh, co-hosts. Awesome. It's great to have you know everybody get together and uh, take this opportunity to, to show the fans what it's like again to have a first time viewer. Um, you know, before we get into the the first few episodes, I just want to take kind of a second and, and talk to you about you know your experience over the last couple of days, how you managed to get into the group. You know, some of those questions that the members were asking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what had happened originally is um, <clears throat> I would be uh, like on Facebook, uh, like your normal people do, and I'd be sitting watching reels or, uh, or looking at memes or things like that. And <clears throat> one day it just starts showing me clips from the office, like uh, like uh, Altoids or uh, Stapler Jello or uh, handing a stripper a giant check for science, I guess. And uh and so I'd click like on these things, and then my feed would just start to fill fill up with it, right? And uh, over time, it became that my entire feed was just the Creed Thoughts group, and, and like my friends' posts weren't weren't available anymore. I couldn't see anything else. My entire my entire feed was just Creed Thoughts, uh, and so uh, I got kind of annoyed with that, as one would, and I tried to unfollow the group um i, I didn't uh, join it to begin with um i was just liking posts from it uh, and so I, I had tried unfollowing i had tried uh leaving the group i had tried uh snoozing it i had tried like uh, anything that i could to get these posts to leave and they didn't so uh one day i sat down and just made a post asking to be banned from it and it kind of took off for some reason Are you shocked at the responses you got um asking you to come back uh i was yeah um there was a there was a, a lot of memes that i don't necessarily understand yet i'm sure i will soon but uh like and a lot of the responses were just office quotes that uh that i'm not familiar with <laughs> but uh, other people really liked it and uh, it seemed to have taken off so after I uh, blocked you from Creed Thoughts, uh, mm -hmm. you sent me a, a private message saying, hey, I want to get back in the group and see all these uh, memes. So how mm -hmm. did you know that they were memes in the group that were being made all about you? Oh, because uh, people would message me. They, they would send me messages and they'd be like, you're a legend, bro. Uh, the, the, you're making the best memes out of here. And I didn't know what they were talking about. I was happy that I'd got banned. My, my feed was normal again. I could see friends posts and, uh, and whatever dumb ads that they wanted to play. But uh, but they keep they kept hounding me. They're like, uh, "You're a legend. You got to come back. I can't believe I'm talking to you." Uh, things like this, just random people that I don't know, I've never met in my life. Uh, and it would be that, and it would be friend requests. I would get uh, like ten to twenty friend requests an hour for wow. days, and it's uh, it was upsetting. So uh, I eventually came back because uh, people are making memes about me, and I'm here that they're good, so I'm gonna want to see them. And uh, I get back, and I think I made a post that was like, okay, I'm back. I'm not watching The Office. 
do with that whatever you will. And then that blew up as well. And uh, people were telling me that I had to watch it, that uh, that I need to talk about it and stuff like that. And over the next course, couple of days, uh, we went through multiple iterations of, I would say, 15, 20 people uh, a day uh, messaging me, telling me that I got to watch it, messaging me, talking to me about the memes, things like that. And uh, and so I came back and here we are. So, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of gathered from some of the other screenshots that people were posting to, uh, is your wife a fan of The Office? Um, my wife has watched some of it before. I don't know if she's watched all the way through, but um, but yeah, she she has seen some. Yeah, because there was a couple screenshots posted on there where it, it looked like a conversation between her and other members where she was trying to get you to watch too. Yeah, yeah, she was she was very interested in the prospect of getting me to sit down and watch it. So okay, awesome. So that's cool that you know this is sort of giving you guys something else to do together too. So that's always you know, yeah, plus. yeah, it's very nice. Matt, do you like any other comedy shows? Are you into comedies? Uh, I do. Uh, I probably my tops right now are Letterkenny, um, Parks and Rec. I've watched a lot of Letterkenny. I just restarted a second watch through. Um, and that's another show that has nine seasons. Uh, it's, it, I, I would not call it similar to The Office in any way, but uh, there's some similar connotations, I guess. There's some parallels. Uh, but you like the humor in Parks and Rec? I, I do. Parks and Rec is uh, is great. Um, that's also Greg and Mike uh, from The Office. Oh, okay. did Parks and Rec. That's a uh, that's good to know. I should enjoy the office more going forward uh you see this a lot when they try to port over a show from the uk they they try to take a blueprint too much and you know it evolves over over that pilot season to where something that will work in the u.s market um was yeah. there, was parks and rec another like crossover was there an originally a british version of that as well no not as far as i know okay nothing was I know either. I think the uh, one of the bigger examples that I was thinking of too is being human. I don't know if you know anybody's familiar with that, but that was a UK show first, and then you know they did a, a, a pretty much a scene by scene recast over here for the US version for the first season, you know, and then it starts diverging dramatically, and that's very similar to the way the Office Office works as well. Well, it wasn't even multiple seasons for the UK Office, which I've never watched, so you know. I have we not start either. talking about the UK office. Oh, I have. Uh, that might be Ryan, Ryan yeah. kind of thing too. You know, they they've tried to do a lot of the British comedies uh, in the to uh, shows in the US, and they didn't really work very well. I think they tried to do Faulty Towers like seven times, and probably still very few people in the US watch Faulty Towers or have heard of Faulty Towers. Uh, I think All in the Family was a successful one. And I think The Office is probably the most successful. Oh, man, we need a uh, American version of Taskmaster. That show's great. Yes, it is. And would I lie to you? Uh, I don't know if that wouldn't... That, you know, they seem to have a, you know, diverging here, but they seem to have a whole network of panel shows over in the UK that, you know, a lot of the same comedians kind of do multiple guest spots on, you know, throughout the whole runs. Yeah, I uh, I'll uh, pop into the uh, room and I'll see my wife watching some British show that I'm not familiar with, and I'll point and I was like, oh, I know that guy. He, he's on Taskmaster or something right, like that. Right. But uh, but I don't know who it is or their names or anything. 
Side note, you should check out Would I Lie to You if you like Taskmaster. It's a lot of the same people, and the premise is the two teams are given an outlandish fact about, you know, their life, and they um, they have to tell it, and they're either lying or telling the truth. And the other team has to guess it. I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty funny. So Matt, you purchased the complete set on DVD to watch. Um, I did, yeah. Watched the at least the first three episodes, right? So far. Uh, if I'm going to be 100% honest with you, I, I've binged through the first season. I watched all six episodes. I know we're only talking about episodes one through three today, but uh, but yeah, I, w- I watched the uh, entirety of the first season so far. Nice. Um, so in general, without getting uh, episode specific, uh, mm-hmm. what did you think of the first three episodes? Uh, uh, okay, so um, it has it definitely has some moments where... I would be sitting there and I would like nearly spit my drink out because uh, something was uh, rather hilarious. Some, And then it also has moments where I'm sitting there and I feel uncomfortable for the people in the show. <laughs> like, uh, like I'll look at them like, uh, I got that like a uh, third party cringe. Uh, I guess you would call it. Yeah. The members of our groups always talk about the cringe factor. Right, yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's more than one moment for sure. Um, and a lot of people say that it cools down after season one, and if so, that's fine. It's a, it's definitely a specific type of humor, and I'm all right with it. Um, but I don't know if I would, uh, if I would call it necessarily my type. I think if I had to give it a rating, I'd probably say like six or seven out of ten so far. Oh, so you you enjoyed it then? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I would say that I enjoyed it, but I wouldn't say that I enjoyed it so much that I'm going to go back and rewatch it continuously at this point. Which, uh, which apparently is part of office culture, is this, you just leave the office on in the background, and as you're, like, living, you, you continuously just see and hear and, uh, and are a part of it. Yeah, that very much, that's very true. That's uh, typically how I do my, well, you know, I mean, I'll have different sessions where I'm either, you know, I decide I'm actually doing a full, you know, a watch through where I'm actually concentrating on it, but a lot of the times it's also on where, you know, I'll be playing a video game and I have it on in the background, or... You know, I have it on while I'm working. I'm working home, so I'll have it just running. You know, where I'm half paying attention to it, and you know, I'm at the point with it where I know, you know, I can hear a couple words and I know exactly where we're at, what's going on. And, it makes uh, sense. I can, I, I can pick up that way. Same with me. I just leave it on in the background. And, and there are shows that I can do that with. I can do that with Letterkenny. I can do that with Parks and Rec. Um, right there are shows that uh, that I've watched all the way through more than once. But I don't think I've ever been a, a leave it on the TV and binge it kind of person. My wife, on the other hand, is. Uh, we, we go through shows. I, I don't even ask her to wait for me anymore. Because she'll just go through like uh, episodes that it's not physically possible how much she can consume television. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll leave the room to go get a, a sandwich or a drink or something. And I'll come back and she'll be six or seven episodes later. And I'll check my watch. I was like, what the, f- it's been 10 minutes. How do-? And uh, yeah. So, so if she enjoys it, I can tell you this is going to be on our house for the next five years for sure. <laughs> um, so the pilot episode. Yeah. What'd you think? Uh, okay, so first impressions. Uh, the first thing I wrote down is uh, Michael seems like an ass. All right. Yeah. So yeah. Michael. So the first episode is actually taken scene for scene, almost line for line, from mm. the first episode of the UK version, um, which was done by Ricky and Stephen. And Ricky is David Brent, who's the manager there, and he is made to be, you know, the asshole boss. 
He, he is. Uh, they they do an amazing job portraying that. Uh, I don't know what sort of jobs you guys may have worked in your past, but I've definitely worked jobs similar to that, right? Like Scranton. Um, and I've had bosses who are like Michael, who like will physically touch people, who will make sexual harassment comments like in your face in front of other people and stuff like that. Uh, we'll make like offhanded racist remarks or stuff. And I, I am, I'm very aware of it. And that, that caught me uh, off guard. Um, it, it's not bad. It's excellent acting. He portrays the role perfectly. He has like the, uh, the slick back hair, right? The, uh, the super tight tie to the point where if he leans down at all, he almost has like a double chin that comes out, even though he's a skinny person. Like uh, ugh, it's uh, it's rough. He's got that middle management uh, scream about him. His whole body just screams middle management. What do you think of um, the different scenes in there? Like uh, when Jan is in there telling him about downsizing. Uh, that seems to be a consistent thing through the whole first season is downsizing. Um, but uh, like, I, I don't know. The, the best way to put it is that he will not take responsibility for anything. If it's the fact that his branch is doing bad and they might need to downsize, if it's uh, looking at, take, taking responsibility for literally anything. It's, yeah, yeah, I would call it that. He's got he, his own reality. Manager, right? Yeah. Well, and it's typical for middle management, I think, in, in a lot of sitcoms is, you know, everything's not their fault. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the Pam uh, filing cabinet bit was uh, was probably the best part of that episode, in my opinion. Uh, Stapler Jello being second. Hey, but, uh, I but, yeah, do yeah, love Pam. that Pam sticks it to him. Oh, it's, of Jan. That's, it's, that's, oh that's, it's beautiful. <laughs> She's sitting there and Michael's like, Pam, why, why don't I have this uh, this memo? you know, from earlier, mm, not, not working out well. Right. And just right in front of the boss, she's like, yeah, you asked me to stick it in the trash, which you call the special filing cabinet for corporate. <laughs> which I, you know, I think only Pam did that because, you know, he was trying to make it like it was her fault, you know, yeah, Again, yeah. not taking responsibility for anything, mm. trying to make it her fault in front of Jan. And she just so beautifully like puts it right back on him and makes him look like even more of an ass to Jan. Yeah. Than, it, you know, than what beautiful he line. Did. What do you think about Jan? What are your first, um, what's your first thoughts about Jan? Uh, my first thoughts about Jan are that she is like, she is the every corporate person. And uh, I don't know if that's what, how she's supposed to be, be portrayed or portrayed, but uh, she comes in, she's very sure of herself, right? She tells exactly what she needs and she expects it to be done. And that seems pretty on point for, uh, for like a higher up level of management. She's not weaselly, <clears throat> at least not that I've seen yet. Uh, and she doesn't like seem to talk down to people and, and that seems all right. So, so far Jan seems okay. She does talk down to Michael, though, <laughs> right from the kind of yes. the start. You kind of see that she does. She talks down to Michael, maybe Dwight a little bit. Uh, you know, I know we're not there yet, but I think you know towards what is it, episode three, where you know the healthcare stuff. Yeah. Oh uh, God, the healthcare stuff was a... a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Right. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there uh, in a little bit. So and I uh, go ahead, Matt. Oh, so I was going to say, Matt, you mentioned the uh, the prank with the uh, stapler and Jello. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's another thing, of course, taken right from the first episode of the UK Office, <laughs> where uh, Tim does that to the character Garth, and they call it Jelly. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I noticed watching the the pilot, 
they, you know, they, they talk a lot about Jim's pranks on Dwight throughout the years in the series. Um, the first prank they show is Dwight tapping Jim on the opposite shoulder, getting him to look. Yeah. Right. Which I thought was kind of interesting because you always hear like uh, it has one sided, but you don't realize the first prank done in the first episode is actually Dwight trying to prank Jim. Well, uh, shoot. I don't I don't remember which episode it is i think it's episode two where uh they have that big sale and dwight fucking steals it from him holy shit i don't care how many pranks you do if somebody puts your shit in jello you don't take a quarter of somebody's salary god damn oh right 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 oh i mean i'm sorry i'm getting ahead of ourselves but uh but who oh god yeah the first episode's pretty good yeah it, it is they uh what was the other bit so it it's not only that though, right? Because he opens the container and he pulls it. Out. He's like, "God damn it! You put my stuff in Jello again!" And he just drops this massive container of Jello. It's not like he put the t- like a stapler in a stapler size amount of Jello. It's like he took an entire bunt pan or whatever, <laughs> filled it to the thing, and stuck it right in the center. And then he goes to reach for it. And Michael, being the weirdo that he is, he's like, "No, you have to eat it. There's children starving. You better eat that Jello." <laughs> like, yeah. Pudding. Oh, yeah, and then uh, they look over and uh, they're like, uh, he goes, it was Jim. Jim did it. And Jim's eating a jello right in front of me. He goes, I didn't know it was me. <laughs> uh, be- perfect comedic timing on that. Uh, this is a- absolutely an amazing moment. Anything else stand out about the first episode? Uh, the-, the touching. Okay, so I don't know if I touched on this a little bit earlier, but Michael, as a character, has a. Uh, inability to make you uncomfortable immediately by touching you like uh, uh, there should be nearly zero physical contact between almost any member of management and any member of their staff right and he will just come up and he will like put his hands on you or he will make a like gross remarks like oh you think uh, pam's hot you should have seen her a couple years ago huh, way better looking like right. what the fuck <laughs> oh my gosh sorry i don't know if we're allowed to cuss on podcasts uh but if we aren't this might be a short short venture I, uh... <laughs> no, no we can we can mark it as a uh, as explicit okay yeah the, the the cringe factor i guess uh the uncomfortableness of having somebody around you like that who uh you who they step in the room and the entire room clenches their ass it's just like mm, yeah i don't i don't want them near me at all which is really funny that you bring that up because there is a point and, I, and i'm i'm gonna try to talk about it without jumping too far ahead but you know later on in the seasons there is an episode that specifically kind of illustrates uh, uh, but yeah let's kind of talk about maybe diversity day or do we have yeah we that's uh people were saying that that's an episode that i was gonna enjoy um they were right they <laughs> it was a uh, it, it hit the exact perfect amount of uh, uncomfortable for the entirety of it the entire episode is uncomfortable right. like mm what where where to begin i think diversity day is the one i have the most notes on Whew. okay so yeah, i definitely think diversity day is one of those that it you know it's supposed to be super cringe and you know we've kind of talked about uh, you know we filled you in on some of the stuff but diversity day has become a very controversial episode because it's dealing with a lot of you know hot button issues in today's society but you know i the way i've always looked at it is is you're supposed to look at michael like he's an asshole you, know, you are none of this stuff is supposed to be you know you're not supposed to emulate him you're, you're supposed to look at him and know that that's bad behavior that's not right yeah that's, yeah that's wrong like um, uh 
it's perfectly fine to to quote a comedy thing back at people i do it all the time but you don't need to put on this caricature of an accent and like throw your hands up and down like oh gosh you want like, a cookie cookie yeah, they're. Uh... <laughs> I wrote that. I I thought he was saying googie. I don't know what googie is, and I was expecting it to be some sort of like Indian dish. And I tried to Google it, and I couldn't find anything. And uh, I had read somewhere else that it's it's cookie. He's trying to say cookie, but his accent is so like horrendously thick and bad that he keeps saying googie, and he's just staring her in the face. And when she slaps him, oh, oh God, that was uh, that was beautiful. It's another one of those come up moments for him, you know, it's kind of similar to the Pam uh, calling him out. It's like somebody, you know, stands up to him. You see that kind of a lot through the first season where they push it to the point where one person just kind of has it at, at, uh, has a go at him. Yeah. Um, Mindy had a lot you know, of trouble with that scene because uh, she couldn't do it without laughing when he was really? saying that kooky kooky. <laughs> They finally got a take where she wasn't laughing, and then she just smacks him and turns around quick and walks out. <laughs> nice. Uh, you know what's wonder... really funny about the gookie is is my closed captioning mm-hmm. actually spells it with a G, and I noticed oh, that see? on the rewatch here uh, that it, it does put it, it does put a G, and I was like, wait a second, am I have I been misunderstanding this the whole time? But I, I, I did do a little you know Google too to make sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, that's, uh... that's awesome that you saw it too. The, the Chris Rock routine is absolute gold when uh, when he just starts like he changes his accent. He throws his hands all in the air. He drops N-bombs and shit like, oh, my gosh, uh, beautiful. They In my version, they bleeped it out. I don't know if uh, they do in every one if there's an unedited version or something. But uh, uh, you can see everybody tense up in the whole office. The guy who's standing there, whose whole job it is, is to get Michael to not do that. Right from from corporate who got sent down specifically for Michael on him doing that, and he watches him do it right in front of him, Mr. And, Brown. Yeah, Mr. Brown. Oh, no, I'm not going to call you not that. Not going to call you that. Uh, well, that's my name, so you better. <laughs> oh. See, I know. I know. Saw you have Dwight's hero speech marked down here too. Huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, he uh, he's like, what is a hero? And I think it's like, uh, I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's a whole bunch of normal things like honor, uh, something else. I'll have to look it up. I have Google in front of me. Uh, office, what is? He's describing a what a superhero is, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honesty, empathy, respect, and open-mindedness. And Dwight goes, that's not a hero, okay? Hero kills people. And that people, yeah, yeah, he he, uh, he has a tragic upbringing, and uh, he must avenge it. And stuff. <laughs> and he's like, think I, think, a I think you're talking about a superhero. There's a superhero in all of us. Um, mm. Yeah. So Diversity Day, we're starting to get a little bit of uh, definition to the Dwight character that's different than the UK Garth character. Yeah. Not a lot, but just through that hero speech and that kind of thing. They they were talking about Dwight being a like a sheriff's deputy or something, um, and I don't know if we're going to go into that more later, but I'm really interested into whatever that entails, uh, because he reminds me of uh, this kid that I went to middle school with. Like uh, when I went to middle school, Naruto was uh, was all the rage, <coughs> and uh, I wasn't necessarily into it. It's fine. I don't have any issues with Naruto. If you if you like it, yeah, it's cool with me. I got like eight uh, discs at home that just sit here, but. 
So there's this kid, I don't remember his name, but he was hard into it, okay? Wore the headband to school, wore, like, wraps on his knuckles, uh, brought, like, nunchucks in his backpack before that was a thing that you would, like, get sent home for immediately. And he would just sit at recess, and he would, like, punch trees and talk about all this training that he has to do. And he has the same energy, like, that kid punching trees in middle school that Dwight has in uh, in Diversity Day, talking about being superheroes, like, that, uh, that really uncomfortable, are you sure what reality is energy that's, right uh, very much dwight that's yeah the, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> hit the nail on the head you know that's, that's very much dwight the original uh garth character is in something called uh the territorial army uh in the uk version which is basically like a volunteer army like they're not professional soldiers they're just guys that uh volunteer to spend their weekends like training uh under some like uh regular military or ex-military guy so a lot of the brilliance in the translation was things just like this like greg saw that and the easy translation would probably be well let's make dwight like army reserves or something but yeah, in the united like states national guard Right, or National Guard. But, you know, in the United States, that doesn't really translate because there's no humor involved in National Guard or Army Reserves because they're still professional-type soldiers. And so he translates the Territorial Army into Volunteer Sheriff's Deputy, which does have a bit of humor in it, right? It does. And I think that's one of the greatest examples of how Greg was able to take what Ricky and Steven did and turn it into something successful in the United States. The it's a great job on them. Um, I did, uh, when I worked, um, one of my jobs before, uh, I don't know how comfortable I'm going to be talking about like my real life. So I think I'll keep some things vague here and there. Right. right. So, uh, so I had worked this job, um, forever ago, one of the many that I've had. And one of my members of management reminds me a lot of Dwight as well, but, uh, he was in the national guard. He was in the national guard as like a reserve. And so once every two to three weeks, some random time period, they would call him and they'd be like, like, well, we need you to come in on the weekend and uh, come do some training or something like that. And he would get super hyped. He would get like immediately patriotic. He would talk about how like badass he is for doing this stuff. And uh, and it for like that whole like a four or five day period of time before, as he's going up to it, he, he has this huge Dwight energy of just like, yeah, I protect this country. I'm a badass. What do you do? And we, we would all laugh at him and be like, dude, you go in on the weekend to do push-ups with like 50 year old dudes. And uh, he'd get all butthurt and upset about it. And uh, it, it has that, that connotation. So I can see why like they wouldn't choose national guard uh, because a lot of people respect and, uh, and love it and stuff like that. And it is a professional setting. Uh, but the, the national guard reserves like the weekend warrior stuff that would have worked proper as well. So what do you think of the uh, the card game they play with the cards on the foreheads? Ooh, uh, yeah. Stanley got black. That's hilarious. That wasn't uh, planned. That wasn't planned. Beautiful. That's what Michael uh, says. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael got Martin Luther King Jr., which is not a race. That is a, that's a person specifically. One of his uh, heroes. So, yeah, one, one of his heroes because uh, he has a dream as well. Um. Mm. Man, I don't know if they if they sat down in the room and uh, when they were writing the episodes and they just thought, what's what's the most uncomfortable we can make people immediately? Because they hit the nail on the head. Okay. So that that actually happened to one of the writing assistants when he was in college. <laughs> all right, um, all right. So he was in a like, college class and they had to do that exact same thing 
Um, and he, so that this episode is written by BJ Novak, but of course, uh, a lot of people are involved in the, in the different episodes. They all share, you know, ideas and things like, um, Paul wrote the line, if you're a racist, I will attack you with the North or whatever it is, but I digress. Um, yeah. So one of the writing assistants actually had that happen to them in a college class and he was talking about it and they were like, Paul and Ryan or, or Paul and BJ are like, yeah, that's great. Let's put that in. That, uh, that's beautiful. Okay. Um, his quote from Abraham Lincoln, like you said, if you are a racist, I will attack you with the North. Um, Game of Thrones came to mind more than uh, America. I'm just imagining like uh, <laughs> like Michael Scott and Jon Snow coming down to beat up uh, racists. <laughs> uh, gosh. The office uh, is coming. Yeah. <laughs> But, but they're sitting there, and, uh, and Dwight's trying to guess what he is, and the, what is it, Pam? I think Pam uh, is talking about him being Asian, and she's like, well, if I had to, information of stereotypes that I don't believe, right, you would be a bad driver. And he immediately goes, ah, oh, no, I'm a woman! <laughs> like, yeah, getting a little more insight into Dwight's character, in the Dwight character. Yeah, uh, here... You know, for as uh, because Dwight seems like a decently intelligent person, right? Dwight reminds me of a D and D character who has like a sixteen in intelligence and like an eight in wisdom. <laughs> right. Right. Well, right. That, I mean, that's the point. He's at, he he is smart and uh, capable and ambitious and driven, but he's also a little out of touch with reality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the next episode, we'll see Dwight get defined even more. Um, oh, we 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 do. And, yeah. And once we start <laughs> learning about more of his backstory, you know where he grew up, you know uh, how he grew up. I, mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is, is you know, I, let's just leave it as he grew up very strange. <laughs> um, Dwight did uh, from uh, Shroot Farms. I keep right. seeing things about Shroot Farms, so I'm assuming that's Dwight stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Drew, he actually, um, he's he. His family owns a farm. You know, has generations, and uh, it's uh, almost well, very, you know, uh, Amish in in heritage, but not Amish. Um, like Mennonite. Mennonite, yeah, maybe Mennonite. You know, okay. something like along those kind of lines where Pennsylvania Dutch. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's Pennsylvania that's German. Thank you. That makes sense. Uh, I I can see it. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever watched Letterkenny. Uh, there's a they have Mennonites in Letterkenny, and there's a there's a guy there who looks rather similar to pictures I've seen of Zeke Schrute, and so I don't know if they they drew those parallels uh, on purpose. Um, they probably did uh, not Letterkenny to the office, but you know to um, to that old style with the like long grungy or not grungy wispy beard. I think wispy is a better word for it. Uh, Patchiest. Right, they don't have thick, full, beautiful, like well-kept beards. They look like they kind of just existed for a while and didn't shave them. Right, right. Yeah, working beards. Yep. Oh, uh, Mexican. The word being offensive. Yep. Oh, dude, it is a uh, what's the character's name? Oscar. Who's talking? Oscar. Michael okay. asks Oscar. Do you yeah. have? Uh, do you prefer a term less offensive than Mexican? Yeah. Why? Why is Mexican offensive? Oh, uh, mm, well. Mm, you, yeah, and then they just leave. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of them getting like right up into a situation and then leaving before uh, or cutting away from the camera before it would uh, spill over. Um, that's probably intentional in the writing. It, it works though because it gets you up into that precipice, right? But you don't actually have to watch the uh, the horrific outfall of it that makes everybody feel bad. Right. 
Well, see, and that's again another thing that I think defines Michael is he, even when he's trying not. It, it's funny because when he's trying not to be offensive is when he's at his most offensive. Yeah, that's yeah. the yeah. irony. And I mean that's that's kind of carried on throughout the whole series. Is the nicer he tries, uh, the worse he says. Oh, okay. So there's a scene in the in two, right? Diversity training is done. Uh, Michael signs the paper or whatever, right? After being told that he's the only reason he had to sign the paper anyway. It's the only signature that's required. The guy leaves, and then it pans over, and he like reads it, and he's like signed by Daffy Duck. And then he walks out of the office. He uh he like mocks the thing. He tears it up in front of people. He tears it up in front of people, stares everybody down, and, like, throws it. And, uh, holy, that was the most aggressive move that I've ever seen. Like, he, he walks out just straight up for people. He's like, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not going to abide by this. I'm going to continue, I'm going to continue to be exactly the way that I am. And uh, I would have quit <laughs> on the spot. If I, if I was in that office building and that happened to me, I would have, I would have left that day. Then he has his own diversity training. Yes, his yeah. own diversity, diversity training. tomorrow because today is almost over. And um, <laughs> video is beautiful. We also get one of the best scenes when he uh, first confronts Toby uh, when he first starts talking to the Toby character. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Toby comes in. He's like, "We're gonna make us all sit in a circle like Indians or something." And he's like, "Get out." So, so some of that episode was improv, I believe. I don't know if that scene was, but I know that when Mike, when Steve and Paul first interact in that Michael and Toby interaction, uh, mm-hmm. the guy, the person that was in charge of NBC at the time, liked it so much. He was like, "We got to continue this. It has to. We have to have this dynamic carried forward." Because they didn't, they really didn't have a defined roles for the writers. They just had them as you know extras to fill in when needed. Sure. And, That's and why that... the three of them are in the so so Matt the um Mindy, which is Kelly, BJ, mm-hmm. which is Ryan, and to- okay. and Paul, which is Toby. Um okay. those are the three writers that are also characters on the show. Oh, really? Okay. And that's why they have a different set. They sit in a different area of the office called the annex, so that they're not they don't have to sit in the background when they when they're not needed. Ah, okay. I knew that Toby was in uh, some other area in the first episode, but I thought Toby was HR. He is okay okay yeah uh god i got more to talk about when we eventually talk about like episode six for uh for toby like michael coming up and talking about toby being divorced and stuff i got a lot to dive in on that one he's just a, a jerk right to right to toby right off the start oh know, and, right uh, to his face right. yeah and of course, the head of HR, you know, it's the ongoing joke that, you know, even in our real world that HR has no power, you know, they kind of take it to the extreme uh, in there. But you kind of see that throughout the whole series, too, is that, you know, really, Toby, Toby just can't do anything about anything. <laughs> now, whether that's because his hands are tied by corporate or because he's just a wuss, you don't really ever find out. He he's can be a, very he... backstabby. Cal- calculating. He's very calculating. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he seems like somebody who would right, call himself a, an alpha wolf in a one-man wolf pack. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. That's, well, uh, that's gold. He does call himself uh, <laughs> a lion in the wild in the next episode, right? In healthcare. Yeah, yeah. He's like a healthcare in the wild is uh, you break your leg and uh, it doesn't mend. And a lion mm-hmm. eats you and you die. That's healthcare. I'm not the broken leg. I'm the lion. Yeah. You're like, mm, all right. Uh, that's that's where you want to go with this. Okay. 
then he starts talking about his uh his uh like uh superior genes his, yeah. and, uh, his great immune system and all yeah that. I, I don't need healthcare. i have a perfect immune system so we're so we're moving into episode three uh healthcare, right uh the the very first thing i wrote down is dwight talking about his ability to raise or lower his cholesterol at will and she goes why would you want to raise your cholesterol so i can lower it again yeah and you're just like <laughs> okay uh mm. we start to see yeah we're so now we're, we're really starting to see dwight's character get defined right <laughs> yeah this healthcare was written by paul actually um which is toby matthew and okay. uh i think over the course of the show the, the episodes that paul writes do the help define the dwight character and many of the other characters uh the best out of any of the writers he just has like a, a sense of where of, of the character and how to write them. Yeah, uh, he does a very good job. Uh, if uh, if that's him doing it, well done. Okay. So in this episode, just a little bit later, Michael decides that he doesn't want to pick the healthcare. Right? He picks the absolute top best plan, and then when corporate says no, he's like, mm, "Well, that's the only thing that I want to pick because uh, you know I want people to like me." Uh, Michael's air of needing people to like him is very apparent. Um, and so he throws he throws that towards Dwight, who's, of course, willing to accept it because he gets to put uh, any amount of, like, managerial power over somebody else. Dwight seems to snatch that up. And then, well, yeah, uh, he, he offers it to Jim first, right? And then Jim just <laughs> throws, him toward, throws it towards Dwight. Yeah, yeah, he does, uh, which... Uh, like I'm surprised that Jim did that, and like I don't know the characters, right? But uh, but Jim actually seems like the most normal. I'm gonna use that term very loosely, because Jim is like one of the main characters in the show, right? Um, so I I would say Jim is would be the portrayal of the everyman in the show. You have a uh, the, the generic dude is, is what mm. I would represent jim as you you can correct me if i'm wrong that's just the feeling that i get out of it your sense is he's the male character that most males would associate with yeah yeah if people like um like people watch rick and morty and everybody's gonna be like oh man i'm totally a rick right and most pe those people are jerry's um but uh but it seems like a lot of people who who would be michaels in real life would associate themselves with jim and like everybody would associate themselves with jim they're like man I, i'm the jim in my life mm -hmm. yeah so he he seems the most uh just every man like it's him uh it's oscar and it's uh it's toby and those uh i guess you can throw you know i'm, I'm gonna retract what i said uh everybody in his office with the exception of dwight Seems rather normal, but that's very is... true for the first season. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it yeah. changes dramatically, you know. Um, and I, and I can't wait to get to where we can talk about some of those changes with uh Mindy's character, you know, Kelly. And um, you, you see just huge differences between season one with those characters and season two. Meredith goes from you know, just being very quiet, well, they all kind of go from being these very quiet office background characters that have truly being defined and, mm. and you know, i think you'll rethink your 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 normal at that point but yeah as of right now i totally agree with you that pretty much everybody else is relatively normal um yeah but i mean i do agree that jim is the character that is most identifiable by people and, and the ones people more relate to because you know he he kind of sums it up in the pilot episode a little bit that 
you know, for him, it's just a job, and he's just there to get his paycheck and yeah, and yeah, try to get through the day. Um, you know, one of the things I did notice rewatching it on this time was he's supposed to be twenty nine at the beginning of the series, which I did oh. not realize he was that old. I didn't uh, know that either. That's how old I am right now. Yeah, and he started a, seven years earlier, right at twenty two. Ooh, okay. And that uh, that scene when he talks about what his job is and he's boring himself, uh, that was one of the that was one of the interview scenes. Yeah. So they liked they liked how John did that in the interview, um, and I mean there was more than just that scene, of course, but that was one of the things that I remember reading they liked about. They actually had like six couples uh, paired up, and they would switch off between like the Jim character and the Pam character between the different actors and actresses they had lined up to see which dynamics worked. And uh, the ones that felt the most comfortable were Jim and, or were John and Jenna. Nice. And when this show started, almost all these people were relatively unknown, right? Well, yeah. And that was by design. They, they wanted yeah. everyday people that no, no one knew because they're afraid that um if it was someone that had been seen on television before and that was recognizable it would ruin the illusion of the mockumentary yeah yeah and uh, it's completely true they did a great job on it uh, they did the same thing on parks and rec i didn't know any of the characters on parks and rec when i started watching it and that really that really helped me out right because uh, it's much easier to connect with somebody who you have nothing no information about other than what you're given on the screen right you can't have brad pitt play michael scott and act like a scummy ass because then you're just like mm, that brad pitt over there looks uh looks like an asshole yeah it's not fighting zombies no. yeah yeah i think the casting director i think was named allison jones so there's another jones too it's um, a really common name and uh her assistant was phyllis for the casting oh yeah and uh they like everyone liked how how well phyllis read the lines with the actors and actresses that they're like hey why don't you just uh why don't we just write a part for you and they wrote a part that was like very specific to to phyllis oh so she could have a part in it like that, must uh, be it must have been a burlesque dancer in the 70s or whatever <laughs> she was yeah that uh that's that organic growth where you just allow things like that to happen re really makes stuff um, uh, I don't know if I've told you guys this. Uh, I play Dungeons and Dragons with a bunch of my friends. I've been like the longtime DM, and organic growth is the way that I've started making my campaigns now. Like I don't sit down and flesh out anything. I'll give bullet points. I'll give stuff like that. I know where it's kind of going, but all the storylines, all that stuff like that, just organically form out of what the players end up doing. And it sounds like they did a lot of that when writing this show, as they would allow these people to interact, they'd allow them to improv, and then they would write that organic growth into the script and i think it's just a genius way to go along with it yeah yeah i mean i totally agree with you i think that's a, a theme that's carried on throughout the whole series too is you you'll see a lot of those moments that are just total you know a total total improv there's a there's a really great moment coming up um that steve corral just totally uh totally winks and i mean it's it's one of the iconic moments of the show when is that season is it in two? You're talking about Gay two? Witch Hunt? I am. I, yeah. am. I wasn't even going to say the title. because <laughs> there, There's also but, something yeah. from Dinner Party that uh, I'll bring up, too, where, where Steve kind of, like, uh, really makes the scene. And, and you nice. see that a lot with um, Rain Wilson and uh, Steve Carell, specifically. I think they both do a little bit more of the improv stuff. And that was part of the uh, the requirements for the casting, too. They, they were it, looking for people who could improv uh 
pretty well. It, it's not the easiest skill to do. Um, it, it, it takes a, it takes a special kind of person to be able to improv stuff on the spot like that and not just freeze. Like right. um, that, that part with, uh, with Michael, I don't know if it's in one of these three episodes. It might've been in one of the others, but he's talking, no, it's, it's in healthcare. Okay. They're coming and they're talking to him about the healthcare plan. And he's like, man, when I'm under pressure, I shine. I really shine through. Like, it's just, he, like he's off camera or on camera in the other room talking about it. And then it comes back and he's just stone faced. Like, "Eh, yeah, yeah. And just, uh, it's just babbling about stuff and not talking at all because of all that pressure around him. God, I felt that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And especially at the end, you know, and that's a great segue because that brings us into his, you know, his surprise, which again, kind of oh. circles back to your, him wanting to be likable. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's, he's got this terrible thing going on right now with, with, you know, them, them slashing all of the healthcare stuff. Mm-hmm. He knows he's made it worse because he's put, put the office idiot, uh, kind of in charge of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's going out and, he wants to make this big grandiose gesture, you know, to try to quote unquote buy back, you know, their affection. Yeah. And, you know, and, and then the, the, the total nonsense of thinking that he can just go to a travel agency and think, Oh, you know, you're going to give us a free trip to Atlantic city for 20 of my people, just because, <laughs> yeah. you know, all, all that I want free, one. <laughs> free stuff. Right. Yeah. And uh, oh. it's an industrial coal elevator. Yeah, there at least a free fall? <laughs> it's it's three hundred foot drop. Yeah, it's a it's a coal elevator. It's really slow. <laughs> See, and again, I think it, that illustrates Michael goes into stuff with good intentions. He, he but does. He's, he's just not capable of. He, he's just not grounded enough to be able to know what is real, what is doable, and what's not. Mm-hmm. And he ends up creating these these worst situations where now, you know, he's promised all day long that, hey, there's something great coming. There's something great coming. Mm-hmm. And and what does he end up with? Ice cream sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, okay. So, uh, so when I saw that, um, it, uh, remind me when I'm done talking about this that I wanted to circle back to Dwight real quick. But okay. on, on this, um, he goes like, oh, there's going to be a big surprise. And I wrote down in my notes, I was like, big surprise, bet it's pizza. And that, <laughs> that, in my opinion, is the only flaw with this episode, right? Is that um, had he come back with just like four boxes of pizza and set it down, everybody in America would know, would feel that exact moment, right? <laughs> How many you guys ever worked at a shitty job or a shitty corporate job? And they're like, oh, man, thank you for doing all this extra work. We got you a pizza party. <laughs> <laughs> And that that hits that hits home immediately and oh, uh okay. you're like oh man they really tried right they spent that 36 dollars on three pizzas crazy right this was an integrity move bruce do you remember yeah. that quote uh it's oscar saying that right yes so yeah, yeah so matthew there's going to be a time in the future when we'll, we'll we'll reference this uh this conversation again okay okay sounds good so overall, um, what'd you think of the first three episodes? The first three episodes, uh, I liked them. I think if I had to give a uh, a rating out of ten, I would probably say like seven out of ten. Right? Um, there's a lot of moments where I, I felt really uncomfortable for the people in the office. Like I'm not uncomfortable myself. It, it doesn't. I'm not. Uh, 
I don't know how to describe this. I, I don't look at something and be like, ugh, like I hate it, ugh. But I, I can feel their pain through the show, and they did a really good job at that. Um, the 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 type of humor in there isn't necessarily my go-to at the moment, but everybody says that it kind of picks up later down the line, and uh, and, and I guess I'll probably end up being more about it the more that I stick with it. Right. Who'd you, yeah, who'd you, who's your favorite character? Uh, one second. Favorite character so far um is probably kevin and it, okay. and mainly because i i know nothing nothing about him at all and he just like talks about subway sandwiches uh, kevin seems to be the most knows exactly who he is person in that office so far Ke- kevin doesn't uh he doesn't care about anything else other than exactly what he what he's doing right okay and that that's the that's my initial impression of them uh bruce you were saying something but let's circle back to you I'm going to uh, yeah, use these buzzwords from uh, from office culture, right? We're going to we're going to table this for now. We're going to circle back. We'll get some synergy <laughs> going. Uh. Table that. I yeah. love that. Uh, <laughs> where was I? What was I going to go on to? Um, I think I was going to ask about. Oh, that's what I was going to circle back to. Was you talking about how you felt? You know, uncomfortable for the characters. Yeah, and I, and I think that's that's again one of the defining characteristics of the office for me is that it, it does it sucks you because it's such a mundane common experience for most of america you know office life and being an office worker myself that's i you know specifically relate to a lot of those those things because you know up until covid i worked in a cubicle um mm-hmm. so you know a lot of that stuff was still hits home but i think that's just uh, what they did that was so great about it was they, they pull you into that world where, you know, you're not feeling it. You're feeling mm. what they're feeling. And, and and when you said that they're, you're supposed to, you know, that you're feeling awkward for them. I think that's exactly what, you know, in my opinion, the writers had in mind was to put you in their shoes and just, you know, again, saying that this is a bad behavior. This is, you know, this is what you should be feeling like, you know, and, and I think a lot of times fans will take, you know, things from the office and they'll think that they're good qualities and, and that's how you get, you know, things like diversity day being removed off of network television. And they're not, they're not, you know, they're certainly not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like showing that these are good things or. Yeah. They're you know, not meant to, to set an example of, uh, right. of what you should be doing. Right. right. They're, they're using humor to, they're using humor to illustrate the ridiculousness of, of how some people can think, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I think humor does it in a way that, you know, is you can broach tough subjects without getting that, that anger response out of people. You know, you can, just you just like they did with uh, the Archie Bunker character in All in the Family, which we mentioned at the beginning of our conversation. Yeah, I did not know that was originally a UK show. I'm pretty uh, sure it was. You know, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. But, uh, yeah, ba- it was based on one, I think. Right. And that's, again, yeah, you're right. That's very similar kind of to style that, you know, Archie Bunker was never supposed to be somebody that you were, you look up to or that, you know, you said as a role model, he was supposed to be everything that was wrong. Um, Based on the British sitcom Till Death Do Us Part. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's, you know, using satire to to make the points. You had said... uh, Matthew, that you wanted to circle back to Dwight too for episode yes, three. Yes, thank you. Uh, okay, so uh, when Michael's handing off the uh, the healthcare, he's talking about handing it off to Dwight, and he's like, "Well, you know, if Dwight messes it up, that's his second strike, and uh, good on me for giving him another chance." 
what was the first strike? I want to hear the story. What did Dwight do that messed up so bad, right? That uh, that caused him to for for Michael to be that upset about it. Uh, like, did do they ever talk about this? Is this a thing that they bring up later? I that never, I, specific I don't know. first strike? No, I don't believe so. You okay. you'll kind of start seeing overall that Dwight is very much Ryan or not Ryan Michaels. Uh, um, he, well, he's the assistant regional manager. Right. You know, and uh, Michael really does, you know, all throughout the series, he treats him as sort of that disposable lackey. I mean, there's a few moments where, you know, I think he realizes his value. Okay. But often he, he just treats him like kind of garbage. Like an assistant to the regional manager, would you say, instead of right. uh, assistant right. regional manager? Which that's funny too because that becomes a whole thing later on the the assistant two versus assistant. Of, I mean, they, there's just so many good things to touch on there, but yeah, they they bring it up a lot. That's a that's like one of the most continuous jokes used in all three episodes so far, right? Uh, and that does not change. I mean, that's a that's a running gag for uh, the entire series, really. I mean, nice. you know, in different variations or forms, you'll you'll see that kind of continuously. Okay, so uh, so I have a I have a question for you, right? Uh, a lot of people talk about the uh, the series as a whole, and they're like uh, seasons one through five or seasons two through five are great, and then Michael leaves and he comes back in like season nine or something, right? Uh, you don't have to give me any spoilers if it's spoilers, but but who gets promoted and takes Michael's job? Because that seems uh, like it would really change the dynamic of the office if somebody like Dwight is uh, in charge over everybody else. It seems like it would ruin the entirety of it. Well, well I, was, I mean, there's, yeah, there, it's a character that you haven't met. <laughs> okay, that okay. Takes it on primarily. There's, there's a new character that will come forward. Uh, oh, you know, there's a okay. Creed fills in for a day. You know, he's <laughs> just, he's just manager for the day. There's a, uh, the Lizard King, which I guess is technically manager for what? All of ten minutes when he walks in, um, you know, there's there's a couple that, okay. that answer that. Um, and so you don't get your heart set on too much on him. It's a small small cameo that Sucro turns in. Um, oh, okay, all right. But yeah, they're all good. And you see, and I don't. Um, see, for me, when I do my watch throughs, I I I typically don't always watch the first season. I know Office fans everywhere are gonna hate me. But you know, I'll, I'll usually start on two. You know, I'll, I'll I know the first season well, and I've watched them. You know, about as half as much as I've watched the rest. Which, when you're talking thirty or forty times, ain't that much. But uh, okay, it's it's not my it's not my go-to season. I'll say that. Oh, there's a there's something else I wanted to talk about. Um, in healthcare, and they're going over, and, and Dwight's asking them to write down all of their medical information. Right, that seems like. I don't know how Toby didn't shut that down. That is a huge issue. Like how how does anybody allow him to to get through with that? Right. Like, can like, you imagine? Which is what he's there for, you know. Yeah. Uh, and he just does nothing about it. Nothing. He does nothing. And then uh, and then Dwight goes on this rampage. He's like Count Choculitis. Who wrote that? Is it because you think I'd love Count Chocula? Like he <laughs> loses his mind over this shit, and he's like, "Anal fissures. <laughs> Nobody has these." And Gavin's like, "Some, somebody has them." <laughs> so and let me ask you guys this, because you know, just being uh, on my watch through, I've been watching the super fan episodes, okay. um, and a lot of them I know what scenes are not in the original cut versus not. But there was one scene in healthcare 
where Dwight is collecting all of the original forms. Yeah. And Pam catches him writing a P on her paper. Uh, to, you know, oh, no, that is not in there. Okay. No. Which uh, he's like, you got to submit it anonymous and then doesn't like it, 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 the whole, removes the whole anonymous point of it. Okay. Ugh. That's the way he goes through. There's another one where he tries to remember the order that he collects the papers in. You know, oh, he, nice. He, he's running through all of the um, the characters' names as he's he's like Pam, Jim, Stanley, and he keeps like repeating it to like remember. And then uh, Oscar went around and gathered everybody's left and handed it to him. <laughs> to <laughs> nice. And he's like, "This was this was this was unauthorized," <laughs> and walks away because <laughs> it, it ruins his plan. So yeah, that's cool that that's not a, a, a one that's in there. I couldn't remember if that was uh, from the original cut or not. No, no, that wasn't in there. But the that sounds like a great scene. I can imagine that in my head right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Any any amount of power that goes immediately to Dwight's head. Yes. Right? Like yes. Dwight already believes he's uh, he's the king of the world at the moment. At least that's the way uh, he seems. Is that he he believes he knows not just believes he knows that he's better than everybody else. What, Jesus um, is king of kings, you say? What's that? What, Jesus is king of kings, you say? Uh, yeah. Is, this has got to be a reference that I don't get yet. It is, it is. Okay. But okay. it very much illustrates your point. You'll, yeah. you'll get it someday, but you're extremely accurate in your, in your view of Dwight. Uh, yeah, they, they do a great job portraying the, uh, the characters originally, like letting you know exactly who they are and very upfront about it. All right, yeah. guys. I think that's uh, I think that's a, a really good first episode. There, with, you know, any last kind of points that we wanted to touch on for either episodes one through three? Um, Michael we doing his uh drum roll. He he was drumming harder than the fucking drummer from Def Leppard right there. All right, yeah, that was a yeah. that was some beautiful drumming. I needed to touch on that. Oh, you know, and that brings me back. I did, you know, I wanted to circle back to that. Thank you for bringing that up. That um. When you were saying that, you know, you I think you started to touch on and then we got sidetracked about how Michael uh, does in the camera that he's really good at, you know, when he's in the fire, he's good at, the you know, being able to produce or the hot plate, you know, and then he's in that moment where he has to come, you know, he's in the fire, he's in the hot plate, he's, they're all right there waiting for it. And all he can do is stall and stall yeah. and stall until, you know, I think Kevin is the first one to leave. Um, yep. or maybe Ryan. Uh, one of them they're both early and then you know everybody else just kind of was like you know we're done it, it um, might have been stanley as well stanley might have been one of the first to leave yeah yeah but stanley's always oh stanley's always at that the, at that door i uh, think it was i think it was kevin and ryan were the first to leave okay okay and then probably stanley and then you know yeah. the rest of them they're just like okay yeah and that's again another point with stanley too is that um had Michael just told Stanley that, yeah, ice cream sandwiches were a surprise, mm-hmm. he would have been out of it. It would have been a stupid surprise, and people have been like, oh, that's a dumb surprise. But it would have been done. Yeah. But again, he's trying to be a people pleaser without thinking anything through. And he's like, oh, no, that's not the – and he just he just puts himself right back in the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a scene in Superfans uh, – I'm pretty sure isn't in the original cut – where at the very end, after everybody's left, Michael's still sitting there or standing there outside his door. It's all empty. 
He screams up, we're going to go bowling. That's the surprise. Like he finally, <laughs> he finally comes to realize uh, what he, you know, <laughs> but there's nobody left. Um, and I, I really wish they had left that one in there. Cause that was a great, that's a, it sort of sums it up too. that. He's always just a little bit too, too little, too late. You know, I, going bowling might've been fun for people and that, you know, he could have, he could have winged that financially but instead of a, $800 trip to Atlantic City. <laughs> like, I mean, an Atlantic City trip would have been pretty cool, right? I mean, especially with all that free stuff. Like, right, uh, right, you know. <laughs> they, just, they just comp you, like, a whole bunch of chips and uh, the hotel room and the food, you know, and it's uh, it's all free. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, nobody <laughs> needs to make any money off anything. They're just going <laughs> to, Yeah. Which, you know, I've never even heard of those kind of trips. I, I, I would imagine that casinos have, you know, Things like that for their big spenders, you know, like the, the people they know are going to come. But they're going to give you free stuff because they want you to spend money in other ways. Yeah, yeah. You. And his, 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 his idea of that is just so distorted. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that he gets these things in his, in his head and it's just it's like, how do you get that out of it? Um, but no, that's all, you know, it's really great that I think you could watch the first three episodes and, and hit so many nails on the head with the characters and, and i think that's really kind of letting you know how excellent the show is even in its first season yeah so yeah it, um, it truly does define you know those those characters core relatively well really early on that I, you were able to pick out those qualities that are carried throughout the entire series they do a great job um like with the writing and with the characters and uh and showing you what those characters are about uh, that's one thing i will say is uh, is excellent and on on the mark on this show for sure well all right my uh office fans i think that might go ahead and conclude this first episode of it is a podcast um you know feel free to join in and talk with matthew and myself at the creed thoughts group on facebook mm-hmm. and uh you guys know exactly where to find me. You have been continuously sending messages of friend requests. Uh, you can continue to do that. I would ask that you stop with the friend requests, though. I'm not going to add you. Uh, that, that being said, I did add one person at random. I figured it was warranted. I won't tell you who it is. That's up to them. Ooh, now I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> the, so, the man wait, hunt was, were you? Were you? Was was it a just a normal member, or yeah. were you yeah, contacted it was a, by a, you know somebody with the show? No, it was a it was okay. a member of Creed Thoughts, um, and I was just looking through like the pages and pages of friend requests I had at the time, and I went, you know what? Why not? And I clicked uh, one person. I accepted them, and I sent them a message, and I was like, you are the one person I have chosen to accept at random. It was it a, a real person, or yeah, it was they, a, these profiles no, like Michael Scott, or you know, no, no, it was a real person. The group. Okay, and I want to know. All right, well, they'll tell us on the recording. <laughs> Hey guys, Matthew here. This message is being recorded in post. Our outro is a little scuffed at the moment. And by scuffed, I mean we don't actually have one. So you can count this as our outro. Thank you for joining us on the first episode of It Is a Podcast. Uh, I wanted to take a second and thank my co-hosts Ryan Scott Jones and Bruce Myers for all the help that they've given towards this project. This has been quite a great experience. You already know where you can find us. We are available in the Creed Thoughts Facebook group. Uh, 
feel free to stop in, say hi, uh, let us know what you think, and if there's anything that we can do to uh, improve the podcast. Thank you guys again, and I hope you come back for the next one.